Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.holyspiritinteractive.org or www.anilarana.com today. How's everybody doing? Would the children like to leave us or would they like to remain with us today? If they would like to go, uh, let's put our hands together for them too. I heard that all of you prayed for me last week and I want to thank you for your prayers and I also want to thank all of you who called up to ask me how I was doing. I was very touched by that. As you can see, I'm fine. In fact, I'm so fine, I'm headed off to Africa in a few hours from now. I will be back very soon. Uh, Please continue to pray for me, not only for my good health, but also for a tremendous mission. We're going to Tanzania and we're going to Kenya. And um, I love going to Africa because... Whenever you preach to the people in Africa, you get a response like you don't get anywhere in the world. For instance, if I was to say, hallelujah, you know what they do in Africa? They bring the roof down. Yeah. You want to do that? Hallelujah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You guys are good. For the last couple of times, my preaching has been very intense, very passionate. Today is going to be on the quieter side, and in fact, today's talk might be a little shorter than usual. But the blessings that God is going to shower upon you is not going to be minuscule at all. In fact, I believe it will be tremendous. Now. One of the things that I know a lot of us face is financial difficulties. We struggle with finances. But even those of us who are not in debt, even those of us who are not struggling to make ends meet, could do with a surplus of money, could you not? And today's talk is going to be focused on how to obtain financial freedom, how to be blessed in our finances by God. And there are 10 uh, commandments, 10 secrets, if you will. And unfortunately, most Christians don't know what these secrets are. And even those who do know what these secrets are don't actually put them into practice, which is one of the reasons why most of us sitting here are not rich people. And I would like all of you to be rich. Why? Because the more money you have, the more things you can do with the money, and hopefully good things. Don't you think so? So the first commandment is to acknowledge that God is our 
provider, that he is the one responsible for everything. He is the one in charge of everything. Now, most of you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? So I don't need to tell you this story. One day, God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And very obediently, God took, uh, Abraham took Isaac to be sacrificed, but at the very last moment, God stayed his hand and said, Abraham, I believe that you love me. Take this ram instead and sacrifice it to me. After this happened, Abraham erected an altar in this place he called Jehovah Jireh, which means Jehovah provides, God provides. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, says, He shall provide all our needs according to His riches in glory. And why not? As the psalmist says, Psalm 50, verse 12, The world and everything in it is mine. Whose? Whose? Say it, the world and everything, that was terrible. The world and everything in it is God's. One more time, the world and everything in it is God's. One day Jesus was talking to people just like you, and he said to them, why do you worry? Why do you worry about your body, what you will wear? Why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Can you? Can you? Forget about an hour. Can you add a single minute to your life? No? Why not? If I'm worried, how can I add? No. Can you add a single minute to your life? Why not? Why not? Because God is in control. And if God is in control of the most important thing about your life, which is your life itself, doesn't it stand to reason that God is in control of everything about your life, your finances, your health, your relationships, yes or no? So if God is in control over all these things, then why do we need to worry about anything? Everything belongs to God. We've just declared that. The world belongs to God. Everything in the world belongs to God. All the money in the world belongs to God. So why do we worry? Now, if we truly believe that, I have to ask you this. Do you truly believe that God is in control of everything? you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And you, and you, everybody believes that God is in control of everything? Is there anyone here who does not believe that? Good. We have that established. Now, if we believe that God is in control of everything, if we believe that God is our provider, we are led to step number two, commandment number two, Give back to God what God gives us. Give to God the first fruit that we have received. 
And this is where most of it has hit a major block because what we do when we get blessings, what do we do when we get money? What do we, we do when we get the things that God has to give us? We take it, we put it in our pockets, and we keep it there. Yes or no? Be honest. God says in Proverbs 3, 9, Honor God with the first fruit of your produce, which means what? The moment you get something from God, give it back to God, not because God wants it. God has no need for your money. But by acknowledging to God that everything we have received is His, so we're saying to you, Lord, we believe this to be true, so we're giving you the first of what we have produced. Many years ago, there was this great prophet called Elijah. Have you heard of him? Yes, you have. I spoke about him last time. And one day, God sent the prophet Elijah to this town called Jarephath. And when he was there by the gates of the city, he saw a woman gathering sticks. So Elijah told the woman, go and get me some water. Now as this woman went to get water for Elijah, Elijah said, while you're at it, also get me some bread. This woman stopped in her tracks, turned around to look at Elijah and said to him, all I have left is a little meal and a little oil. And what I was about to do now was prepare a final meal for my son and myself and then get ready to die. Elijah says, that is all very well. You can do what you wish. But before you do that, I want you to do something for me first. I want you to make me a little cake. Now I need you to imagine you're this widow, okay? All you have left is a little meal and a little oil, and you are preparing to prepare a final meal and then get ready to die. And then God says to you, before you do that, I need you to make me a cake. What would you say? I need you to think about it very carefully. What would you say? I am practically certain that almost every single person sitting over here would say, how can I do that? Let me look after my son. This is our last meal that we're going to have. Let us at least die with our stomachs full. But fortunately, this woman was somebody who listened when God told her to do something. So she told the prophet, I will do as you say. And because she trusted God in giving him the first of what he asked for, guess what happened? The widow never lacked for meal and never lacked for oil the rest of her life. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, we are not as obedient as this widow from Zarephath, and we produce excuse after excuse after excuse to stop giving God the first fruit of our produce. And this is the reason that many of us are going through financial difficulties. It's simply because what you're saying to God, all this is mine. I worked hard for my living. I worked hard for this money. 
And I will give you money if I have surplus. I will bless your church if I have extra cash to distribute. I will look after the poor if I have abundance. Not understanding, not understanding that when you say this, you're taking away the glory from God. You're saying to God, this is all me and this is not you. You're saying to God, I might mouth it that you are in control. I might mouth it that you are my provider. But in truth, I am the one who makes everything happen. And then you wonder, why are things not happening? I have something to say to you and I want you to listen to me very carefully. Many of you sitting over here have never tithed in your life and you're going through financial crisis in your life. Many of you have never tithed in your life and even if you're not facing a financial crisis, money is disappearing. Freak accidents. Rents are going up. You start having health issues. Things are not working in your life and money is being siphoned out in a hundred different ways. And tell me if this is not true. This money that should have been given to God, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing by the thousands, even tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands, simply because you did not give the first fruit of your produce to God. Think about it. Think about it. All of you who are struggling with your finances, which brings me to point number three. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap, for the measure you use will be the measure given to you. I'd been to Trinidad a couple of months ago. And when I returned from Trinidad, I returned with some hot chili peppers. One of them <clears throat> is called the Maruga scorpion, and it is the second hottest chili pepper in the world. To give you an idea of its heat, the Maruga scorpion rates at about 2 million Scoville units. And to kind of put this figure into perspective, uh, the ordinary Thai chili, have you seen the little red one you get in the supermarkets? That weighs in at 100,000 Scoville units. This is 2 million. And I have a thing for heat. So I got along a few chili peppers, not only this one, but a couple of other varieties also. I planted the seeds, and now I'm waiting for the harvest to grow. And in this is an important principle for all of us to learn from, and I want us to learn from it. And the principle is this. Paul writes it in his letter to the Galatians. He says, as you sow, so shall you reap. Now, this is not the only chili I got. I told you I got a few more. And one of the other chilies I got is called the Congo pepper. Now, this is the fifth hottest chili in the world. Yeah, I'm a little crazy, but most of you know that already. Now, I have a question for you, okay? This is the Congo pepper. Now, when this Congo pepper grows and starts to bear chilies, what kind of chilies is it going to bear? Congo pepper chilies, okay? This is the Maruga scorpion. What chilies is this going to bear? Maruga scorpion chilies. Can you hold that for me? Thank you. If I were to sow cotton, what would I reap? Cotton. cotton. 
If I were to sow friendship, what would I reap? Friends. If I were to sow schools of discipleship, what would I reap? If I were to sow love, what would I reap? If I were to sow money, what would I reap? Ah, and that is what we don't get. That is what we don't get. We believe that we will reap what we sow in every other area of life. But when it comes to money, we think, no, let's just stuff it in our pocket or put it in the bank. Not understanding that you will reap according to how you sow. And if you sow, which is what Jesus says, give, what will happen? It will be given unto you. That is the reaping. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For the measure you give will be given back to you. And that is the guarantee that God gives us to every one of us who gives. So and you will reap. Now I'm sowing these. Thank you for holding them. I got a few more. Actually, I got a whole lot of pots in my house now. You know, I got uh, something called the Carolina Reaper, which is the hottest chili in the world, even hotter than this little one over here. I have, uh, what are the other chilies I have? The seven pot, I have a whole lot of them. And the reason I'm growing them brings me to point number four. I believe that they are going to grow. I believe they're going to give me a harvest. I believe they're going to bear fruit. Which brings me to point number four, as I said, that you need to believe that when you sow, that when you plant money, God is also going to give you a harvest that is plentiful. And here we hit another roadblock is a lot of us don't believe this to be true. You know how many times are people in financial difficulties coming to me and complaining? You know how many times are people with financial debt coming and saying about how difficult it is to climb out out of the pit that they're in? What is it? This shows me when people complain. It shows me that they don't really have faith. And unfortunately, one of the criterion that God has for anything to work, especially miracles and blessings, is faith. Time and time again, he says, as you believe, so it shall be done. As you have faith, so it shall be done to you. And unfortunately, here is where we really fail because we show God that we don't have faith. Faith is a powerful thing. I'm really sorry for today. Everything seems to be difficult. I think I know the reason why. <clears throat> you know, we have so grown to used to raising our hands. We've not done that even once today. Can you raise your hands in the air? Both your hands, please. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. That feels so much better, doesn't it? There was a centurion who once went to Jesus and said to Jesus, I have a servant who's at home, very sick. In fact, he's paralyzed. And Jesus says, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion says to Jesus, you don't need to come and heal him. You only need to say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus turns to everybody and says, in Israel, I've not seen faith such as this. He turns to the centurion and he says to him, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Now, this is what I'm asking you to believe here tonight. Every one of you who is struggling, every one of you who is burdened with debt, every one of you who is struggling financially, in fact, some of you are in terrible circumstances. But not only am I telling those who are struggling with their finances, I'm also talking to those who want to be financially blessed. Like you're a couple about to get married, am I right? You'd love to have a lot of money, wouldn't you? You need to believe, what? That as you sow, so shall you reap. Now what's going to happen to this plan? For one seed, one seed, that all that was sown, this plant is going to grow and it's going to bat chilies, not one or two, but at least a few dozen. Everything you sow can Achieve fruit far more in abundance than what was planted. But you need to believe that. Now, if you believe that, you will put secret number five into practice. And that is what? That is take an interest in what you are planting. Now, if I had planted beetroot, I don't think I'd have taken much interest in the planting. Why? Because I don't like beetroot. If I had planted cauliflower or brinjal, the chances are I'd have taken even less interest because I hate cauliflower and I hate brinjals. Now, the reason I'm taking so much of an interest in this plant is because I simply love heat. And you know, I'm really looking forward to these chilies being growing. And to make sure that they grow, what do I do? I make sure that these plants are watered every day. I make sure that these plants have sunlight every day. I make sure that these plants are fertilizer when that's needed. I make sure that I take an interest in these plants because I've invested in it. Now, there is an important principle over here, too, that we need to understand. There was once a young man who went to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Jesus, what is the secret of eternal life? And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, honor your father and your mother, do not cheat, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet your neighbor's wife. And the young man said, all this I do. 
And then like a stupid fellow, he opened his mouth again instead of quietly going away. He said, Jesus, what else do I need to do? And Jesus says, you want to be perfect? Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And scripture says this man went away very sad because he had a lot of money and he couldn't bear to be parted from it. Now there is nothing wrong, please listen to me carefully, there is nothing wrong with having a lot of money and what I would like is for every single one of you to have a lot of money. What is wrong over here is where you place your heart. And many of us have our heart placed on money, which means that that is where we believe our treasure is. And that is what Jesus says. Do not put your treasure in the world where moth will eat and rust will destroy and thieves will come and steal. Instead, put your treasure in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not come and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. And here is a time for a little bit of self-examination. Where is your treasure? Is it in wealth? Is that why you try to accumulate so much of it? Is that why you keep hoarding it? Is that why you want it? Because if this is where your treasure is, you've had it. And many of you have had it. My treasure is where? My treasure is in the kingdom of heaven. My treasure is in Jesus. And ever since I've discovered him, what have I done? Put everything I have into this kingdom. Put everything I have into Jesus. It's all I care about. It's all I want to do. This is where my heart is. Now, I give you an example of plants, but that is not where my treasure is. I'm going to enjoy doing this stuff, but take this away from me, and it's not really going to make a dent in my life because I know where my treasure is. All my investment, all my time, everything I do is in this treasure, and that is why I am blessed beyond belief. Truly, I am. And I want all of you to be blessed also beyond belief by making sure that your treasure is in the right place. Once again, I need you to ask yourself the question, where is your treasure? Is it in accumulating wealth? Is it in building a huge house? Is it making sure that you have so much of money that your kids will go to the best possible schools? There's nothing wrong with any of this, provided you understand, provided you understand that the main treasure should be about heavenly things and not earthly things. And once again, if you truly understand this, the moment you get any blessings from God, the first thing you will do is give to God what He has given you, acknowledging that He is the one who has provided everything. And when you do that, trust me, whatever you do, whatever you do will start to turn to gold. Every single thing that you put in will be returned to you a hundredfold. But now, this is time for a little caution, which brings me to commandment number six. 
It takes a long time for a plant to grow. Have any of you tried gardening? Yeah, you first put a seed, and I did, and every day I'd get up and I'd go and see what has happened to that seed and nothing, and the next day and nothing, and the third day nothing. Finally, two weeks later, I saw something little creep up, and I was so happy. So every day I'd go after that, but no, still, very, very slowly. It took two months for this to grow this big. It will take another four months before this will start to bear fruit. What is the point of this story? The point of this story is we also need to be patient. You know, many times I have people who have never been with God for a long, long time. Then all of a sudden they have some problem. They come to God and start praying. And then a week later they come to me and say, God didn't answer my prayers. It happens to everybody. We want immediate results. I mean, it would be wonderful. I plant a seed. The next day I see this huge tree with a lot of fruit on it. Would be marvelous, but the problem is it doesn't work like that. So what we need to have is patience. In the Bible, we have a story of Jacob. Have you heard of him? Jacob wanted to get married to this girl called Rachel. He worked for her father for seven years. And then after seven years, what did the father do? Get her married to the elder sister. And then said, you need to work for another seven years before you can get married to Rachel. But Jacob was a patient man, and he said, let me do what, 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 whatever is God's plan. And he worked for another seven years. And at the end of seven years, not only did he get Rachel, he also had Leah. He also got a huge fortune that he took with him and left the land. And the same thing awaits all of us who show patience in our lives. One day I know this plant is going to bear fruit. I know all the plants I have are going to bear fruit. But there's another problem that could come over here. You could suffer from a crop failure, which is commandment number seven. Be prepared for a crop failure. Every farmer knows that no matter how well he does things, how well he prepares for things, he can have a drought, he can have a flood, he can have insects come and destroy his crop completely. Now what does a farmer do when he's faced with a situation like that? Gives up? No, the farmer knows that this is a one-off thing. And the farmer knows that if he follows the rules of agriculture as he's been doing for the past year, the next year the crop might be good. The year after that the crop might be wonderful. And this is something I want to say to everyone over here who's had a crop failure. And there are some of us I know who are struggling tremendously in your finances. You're having a bad year. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Understand every single word that I said to you is true. And if you just be patient, and if you wait this bad period out, the next year what is awaiting you is a year that is going to be mightily blessed. I can tell you story after story of great men in real life who have triumphed over weaknesses and failures. There was a man called Day who's a in charge of the day's inns in America. When he was 27 years old, he lost everything he had, but he didn't lose his faith in God. And what he did was continue to tithe, even though he had very little income. And very soon, he became rich again, and today, right across America, you will find day's inns. 
There are stories like this by the hundreds of people who have been in financial difficulty but never ever stopped placing their faith in God and never ever stopped giving God the first fruit of their produce. And God is somebody who honors people like that. I remember I told you in May I went to Hawaii uh, for a course in leadership training. It actually was a course in evangelism. Now, 60 people were invited for this course from 31 different countries around the world, all at their expense. Whose expense? The people who organized the retreat. The cost per person was $12,000, and somebody paid for this out of their own pocket. Not rich people, as you might think, but ordinary people like you. What were they doing? They were doing exactly what I was speaking about all evening. They sowed a seed. Then the man responsible for this is in his 80s. He's about 85 years old. His name is Haggai, John Haggai. I heard him on video conferencing, and honestly, looking at him, you would not say that he's that old. He's in full uh, position of his faculties. He knows everything. Uh, he's very clear about everything, and he's one of the wisest men I've ever met. Now, he has a couple of habits. 50% of his salary goes into the kingdom of God, and every single dollar outside of this also goes into the kingdom of God. And I found that truly inspirational. And I've started to put that into practice in my own life. I can't give 50% of my salary because I don't earn that much of a salary. But every other dirham or dollar that I get, when I travel, I get a lot, goes into the kingdom of God. And because of this, because of this, he is tremendously blessed. In 1969, he had his first school, and now he has trained 30,000 people as leaders. Imagine the way that he is growing the kingdom of God. The same thing I am putting into practice, and which is why ever since I have started following his principles, schools of discipleship are opening wherever I go. I went to Australia, we started one school over there, four more schools are going to start in the next two months. I went to Hyderabad, one school has started there, four more schools are going to start within the next six months. We started a school here by November, four more schools will start over here. Simply look at the abundance of fruit that God is giving simply because I've started to give so into the kingdom of God. Let us remember this. Earlier I spoke about how we show a lack of faith by grumbling and groaning and moaning, complaining constantly. Instead of doing that, I'm asking you to rejoice. Paul in his letter to the Philippians said, rejoice at all times. Again, I say, rejoice. Paul, I think I've spoken about this before. Paul was in jail at a time he wrote these words, awaiting possible death. Listen to me again. Paul was in jail when he wrote these words, awaiting possible death. Many of you are struggling with your finances. You're in such a bad situation. You might be facing jail. You might be facing totally, total ruin. God is saying to you, and I'm saying to you, rejoice. Why? Because Paul understood that whatever he was going through was temporary. 
He knew that the victory that God had promised him was assured. So he rejoiced, not in what he was going through, but in the fact that very soon God was going to take him out of whatever situation he was in and bless him. And this is why I need you to rejoice. And that is what we're going to do over here. Every one of us, not only those who are struggling, but every one of us who wants to be blessed mightily in our finances, I want us to rejoice. Trusting that when God says He's going to do something, He is going to do it. And what is He saying? I want to remind you of this verse again. In fact, it's a good idea for us to memorize this verse. Give, say, give. give. And it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure given to you. Let's say it again. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure given back to you. And when you get this measure back, what do you do? You replant, which brings me to commandment number nine. What do you think I'm going to do when all these peppers grow and I start to have dozens and dozens of hot chili peppers? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to replant them. I'm going to make myself a nice garden and I'm going to have row after row after row of chili peppers. And then what's going to happen the following year? I'm not going to have enough space, so I'm going to buy myself a farm and I'm going to grow even more rows. And then what's going to happen? Then I'm going to make chili pickle and I'm going to make chili powder and I'm going to make a chili sauce and I'm going to be known as chili king and I'm going to be this multimillionaire, you know? And yes, absolutely. And then I'm going to say to you, all of you, would you like to buy shares in my company? Buy shares in my company? And all of you will say, yes. yes. No, no, no. What? No. Ah. If you say no, you're, you're going to lose out on a lot of chili money. Why would you do that? Now, this is an important question too. Why would you do that? Because you know, you know that in this company, if you were to invest a little bit of money, if you were to buy a few shares, there is a good chance that the next time I have a huge crop, you are going to make a huge fortune. You're going to make a fortune, really. Trust me. Now, this is just a chili plant. Shake chili. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. The point I'm trying to make is we should replant in the kingdom of God. Like I said earlier, there's nothing wrong in being rich. And for all you know, this little thing I told you about is going to make me very rich. There's nothing wrong with money. But whatever I get is going to go where? First into the kingdom of God. First in a growing people. First into making sure that people don't die of starvation. First, in making sure that people don't leave their babies on the street. Somebody's got to care. And this is where we come in. That all the money that we get, we hardly do 
anything to share our blessings with others. Herein is the problem, and it is a big problem. Many times people say, why would a kind and compassionate God let his people suffer so much? And my answer is this, God has created enough wealth, enough food, and has enough blessings for every man, woman, and child on this planet ten times over. The only problem is those of us who have it don't share with those of us who don't have it. And that is the reason why there is so much of poverty in this world. So replant. And then finally, we come to commandment number 10, and that is to glorify God in everything that He has given us. God's plan for your life is for you to be blessed. And now I'm just going to speak to you. I'm not preaching. I just want to talk to you heart to heart. I don't like to see Christians suffering in any way, especially financially, because if our Father is the richest man in this universe who owns everything, then his children should also be rich. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is just the way I look at things. Now, if you are not, if you are not financially successful, and if you are not out of debt, and if you are struggling with money disappearing in a hundred different ways, sickness, freak accidents. I mean, think about how your money is going away. I truly believe it is because you're not being faithful to God and how you've been using your money. So the first thing you need to do is correct that, which means what? Forget about the fact that you don't have any money now. Take whatever you get, 10% of it, and give it to God. And some of you might have a lot of money, okay? Maybe you're earning millions. <clears throat> you think, 10% of a million is a lot of money. How can I give so much of money to God? You want more, right? I mean, I hope you want more. Give that to God. It is more than you need. What are you going to do with so much money anyway? And you will be blessed. And when God blesses you because He's not a liar, and God is going to bless you, take whatever you get in greater proportions and start to invest it into God's kingdom. Invest it into heaven. Once again, to repeat what Jesus said, do not store for yourself treasures here or not where thieves can come and steal and destroy. And what does Jesus mean by thieves coming and stealing and robbing? Look at your lives and see where the money is gone. Thieves are taking it away from you. They might not break into your house to take away the money, but the fact is that money is going away unnecessarily. Doctor's bills, unnecessary doctor's bills. Expenses in your houses. Stupid expenses. Expenses when maybe your maid has left you run away. You have health issues. You meet with accidents. Your rents are increasing. I mean, not just by 10%, 20-25%. You can't afford them anymore. Crazy things start to happen to you. Thieves are stealing it because your treasure is here on earth. Start building a treasure in heaven where it is safe. And I'm telling you, God is there to look after your money. And he will say, what is it that you want? There is nothing I will not deny you. And he will just shower you with the blessings that you need. So the first thing you do is remedy what is wrong. Start tithing. There are enough people over here who I'm sure can testify about how they have been blessed by, being tithe, by, by tithing. There is one woman in particular I want to make mention of. And I think I may have told a story earlier. Eight years 
ago, I'd given a talk on tithing, not quite like this, but on, on how we need to give God. And she called me a week later and said, I have something for you, Anil. She came over and met me and gave me this envelope, which had 6,000 dirhams in it. And at that time, it was the single largest donation we had ever received. I accepted it with gratitude because we had many reasons to use, we had many things to use the money for. A week later, she called me again and said, Anil, I just got an increment. And I said, wow, congratulations. And she said, you will not believe how much the increment was. And I said, try me. And she said, I got an increment of 6,000 dirhams. <laughs> that woman is sitting here. I will not mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her. But she's always been a regular giver. Regular. I mean, in fact, she's so... Uh, honorable and giving, not only does she give this ministry, if she knows there's a church being built somewhere, if she knows that there's somebody struggling with money, if she knows that there is a good cause, she does not hesitate to give over and above what she gives this ministry. Now, I have another interesting thing to tell you about the same woman. Last month, she called me and said, Anil, I'm not going to tithe anymore. And I said, why? And she said, I've been tithing and tithing, as you know, and I've stopped getting increments, and I've stopped getting bonuses, and good things have stopped happening to me. And I didn't say anything. I, usually when people say things like this to me, I kind of figure they're just upset. They want to let out some steam, and very soon they'll get back to the way they were. And sure enough, uh, two weeks uh, after she told me this, she called up again very sheepishly and said, Anil, I didn't mean that. I was just angry. And I said, I know you didn't mean that. She's continued to tithe, okay? Now, here is something I want to tell her. And I want to tell her in front of every single person who's gathered over here. You're having a bad crop. But just like a farmer follows the laws of agriculture and knows that if he does everything as he should do it, you continue to do everything as you should do it and believe that the next crop you're going to get is going to be so mighty, so mighty, you will not know what to do with the money that you receive. I just looked at the woman and smiled, and she's smiling back at me, okay? So that is awesome. And I honestly believe that she believes that. And I'm asking every one of you to believe the same thing. Start to give. God will not be in your debt. Because the more generous you are, God will try to show you, hey, you think you're generous? Wait and see what I do in your lives. Truly, truly. Okay? Everyone's going to start tithing now? Why? Because you want to be rich. Say it. Why? Because you want to say there's nothing wrong in being rich. Say, I want to be rich. Because my father is rich. And he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Give. And it will be what? A good measure. What?
Good, continue. Will be poured out into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure given unto you. Simple promises of God. Now, God is not a liar. All you need to do is believe these promises. Take them home. In fact, you really can't take them to the bank, as it is said. And when you start to make all this money, give glory to God and replant. And remember Mr. Haggai, 30,000 people have been taught leadership. You know what these 30,000 people are doing in the world now? They've gone back to their countries and they're teaching other leaders by the hundreds. Now there's one more thing, one final thing before I conclude. Start making this part of your culture, which means what? It means when your kids are growing up and you give them pocket money, Start teaching them to make tithing a part of their life. So if they get 10 dirhams, tell them to take one dirham and put it in the church. If you're more generous and you give them 100 bucks, what does that mean? They need to put 10 bucks in the church. If you're, if you're super generous and give your kids 1,000 bucks, adopt me. <laughs> All right, let's, let's have the choir back. Father, I don't know why you made today so difficult for me, but never mind. Um, you have your reasons for everything, and uh, as I go to Africa, if you can make things a little easier for me, I'd be grateful, but if you want to make it tougher, I'm fine with that too. As long as you bless the people. I thank you for blessing the people here with your word. I know it made some of them very uncomfortable, but I also know, Lord, that your word is the truth, and truth shall set us free. I believe that you've revealed today secrets of how to make us prosper in life, not only on our finances, but in everything, Lord. And in everything, if we follow the principles that you've laid down before us today, we know that we will want for nothing. We believe that our children will go to the best schools. We believe that we will get the best jobs. We believe that our businesses will be successful. We believe that everything we touch will truly be changed and turned even into gold. Father God, as we acknowledge uh, your blessings upon us and our lives, we just want to sing, uh, Be Exalted, O Lord. Let's all stand up and sing this final song.
God, from your heart. 